All right, Gamecock fans. Live from Miami, we have episode 54 of Cox by 90. I am your host. Show me your TDs. Gamecocks are 2-0. All is right in Beamer land. Little scare last week up in Greenville, North Carolina. We talked about it. We believed it was going to be a one-score game. It ended up being a one-score game. I had tweeted out previously I thought special teams was going to be a huge factor in the game. And sure enough, it came down to a made field goal by Parker White and then a huge run back by Juju McDowell. Both plays were huge in setting up the victory against ECU, escaping Greenville with the win, and the Gamecocks start out 2-0 under the Shane Beamer era. I want to talk a little bit more about that game because I think people, myself included, walking away very happy with the W, but at the same time, whew, a lot of questions that need to be answered. So I'm coming to you live here from Miami. I didn't want to miss a show. It's been a great week. I'll be back in Charleston tomorrow. We'll have our Rita's watch party for the UGA game Saturday. Can't wait to see you all out there. Got... They have the best wings in town. I'll tell you this, too. I'll be knocking those out. But I hope to see you all out there. Nice little beach time. Great opportunity to watch the games. They're going to have it on the loudspeakers. So it'll be one heck of a time. And at this time, too, I also want to thank everybody for coming out to Hall's Chop House last Saturday. What a wild and raucous crowd we had. We were waving our nice little white towels. It was great. I mean, I had a blast. Thank you to Billy Hall and the Hall's team for putting that on. Couldn't be more thankful to have that partnership moving forward. So again, this weekend, we're going to be doing it at Rita's. It'll be Saturday. We'll be loud. I'll be out there around 5 o'clock and can't wait to see you all there. So looking back at the ECU game right now, again, it started out ugly. U-G-L-Y, ugly. If we had cheerleaders in the background right now, that would be the biggest chant I've ever heard. U-G-L-Y. That was the worst way we could have started out the game. Gave up a trick play to open up the game. You know, one thing that had me concerned about that is that you have to be able to prepare for that, knowing that this was ECU Super Bowl. They were going to come out and throw trick plays at you. So I didn't like us starting off the game, giving up a big play on a just a toss. I mean, again, it was a it was a simple trick play. Just sad that we did. The coverage that we did, blown across the board. You had to have known they were going to come out like that. Down 7 nothing, real quick. The offense came out and was moving the ball a little bit, but it never seemed to get in rhythm. You know, obviously we had the fumble at the goal line, the half-inch line by Josh Van, which was very, very frustrating to see because he was having a huge game and ended up having a huge game. But it, was, it would have been great to see him get in the end zone, start building that touchdown confidence. Get down 14 nothing, and you were looking around. I was looking around saying, oh, baby, I don't know. I don't know if I should have bet the Gamecocks minus two and a half. That's a lot of things that were being said. But we were all starting to question, okay, was the 46 to nothing win against EIU truly like we talked about, one of those true scrimmage games where you couldn't take too much away from it, and then ECU, we finally get to Greenville, North Carolina. Is this what the team that we have? Well, we showed right before the end of the half, this team had heart. This team was not going out without a fight. Damani Staley takes the pick six back with a minute 
left to go in the second half. Rally towels are waving at Hall's Chop House. All is right in the world because we know that a couple key plays kept us from being at in a lead or at worst case tied going into the half. Going down 14-7, you're saying, all right, I feel good about this. Going into halftime, make some halftime adjustments. Some of the biggest things that I saw against EIU were some of my biggest question marks that I saw against ECU. The offensive line has continued to not live up to what I thought would be one of the better units that we have across the board. Needless to say, they were awful against ECU. I mean, giving up pressure after pressure, sack, running game not there. I mean, Zeb Nolan didn't have a chance half of those plays. And I think for me, you know, looking at a Satterfield-type offense, right, trying to understand what is his game plan, how is he really building out this scheme on the offense, Zeb Nolan half the time was throwing things into the ground, literally spiking the ball into the ground. There was not even an opportunity to throw it to anybody. So very unfortunate to see that unfold. Because I don't think that some of those plays that probably could have had guys running open, we never saw them develop because the line wasn't blocking. That's something that scares me. And I think as we start talking about the UGA game, that's what's really going to scare us because that UGA defensive line is no joke. Came back, tied it up 14-14. Also, there could have been another touchdown with Josh Van. Just missed it by the hair of my chin. I got a little bit of hair of chin growing right now here in Miami, but needless to say, he comes back, throws a dart to Dak Joyner, 14-14 tie. We give up a field goal there, come back, rally down, tie the game up 17-17, and then the big play is made on special teams by Juju McDowell. Huge return, setting up an opportunity for us to go and win that ball game. So, Kudos to Parker White for kicking two great field goals. Special teams is going to be extremely important if we want to get to that six-win mark like we've talked about. And also, the fact that Juju McDowell, heck of a game. I think he ended up rushing for over 70 yards. He was our bell cow. He was the guy at the end of the game, and he had fresh legs, which is extremely important. We said, not Marshawn Lloyd, not Kevin Harris, not Zaquandre White. We're going with Juju McDowell, a true freshman. If we've got four running backs to lean on and potentially five, because we haven't even seen Rashad Amos, what a stable of weapons we have. So, ECU game behind us. Players of the game for me on offense, I'm half go Juju McDowell. I thought that without his fresh legs potentially helping us get those last couple scores, we could have been in some deep trouble. Not to say that Marshawn Lloyd or even Kevin Harris couldn't have done the jobbers or Quandre White. But it was refreshing to see Juju McDowell come out there, fresh legs, averaging over six yards a carry, and really putting the offense on his back when we needed it and setting us up for that game-winning field goal, and especially on the return, too, as well. Defensive player of the game has to go to Damani Staley. Not only did he have the interception return for a touchdown, I want to say he had five tackles, a couple of them solo tackles, two for a loss, really showed out well. We had a couple sacks in the defense, too. You know, J.J. with two sacks, Strom with a sack. The defense played outside of giving up what I would say, you know, 17 points. Yeah, you look at the trick play. It, it, the defense did what we asked them to do. The offense has got to learn to put up more points than 20 if we want to win ball games. And I think that 
We're going to see that our sweet spot number is probably going to be around 24 to 27. Those are going to be where we're winning ball games because I think this defense can hold reasonable opponents to a three-score, three-to-four-score game. So, defensive player of the game, Damani Staley, huge being a senior, making a play like that, putting the team on your back. You heard Beamer talk about it. Thank you. Thank you to the resilience of the team. Thank you to the resilience of the fans cheering who showed up in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, North Carolina, and now we're on to the next one. We're going between the hedges, and oh, baby, that line dropped, and I couldn't believe it. 32-and-a-half points. 32-and-a-half against Georgia between the hedges. I haven't seen a line bigger than that for the Gamecocks in my time as being a Gamecock fan, and maybe that's just my betting career, but what a huge line to start. I thought it'd be around 24. I thought it may be similar to the 2019 line, but Vegas knows something that we don't. And it's that this game is going to be a lot bigger spread, a lot bigger potential upset than we are expecting. So looking at that game, looking at matchups that I'm going to be watching, can our offensive line give Zeb Nolan any sort of time of day to make plays, to get it into the hands of Josh Fan, Jalen Brooks, that joiner? Can, can we even get some momentum built in the passing game? Because if not, they're going to stack that box. They might have nine in the box. They'll play us man-to-man on the outside and just say, let's see if you can even get a pass with less than two seconds off because we're going to be eating your offensive line's lunch. I hate to say that, but that's what it looks like right now until our offensive line can prove us wrong. They are going to be attacking, I expect, dialed-up blitzes nonstop from their defense. Obviously, I haven't... Former head coach Will Muschamp as special teams coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and do a little bit of razzle-dazzle there just to really screw with us, To quite frankly. And it's just going to be an all-out battle. So D-line, UGA versus Carolina's offensive line is what I'll be watching. And then I think you have to look at special teams for me. I'll be watching in our return game because I think that we're going to be potentially – returning the ball a lot. Can we make plays in the return game that can set us up for short field opportunities to maybe do a quick strike and get a touchdown that they're not expecting? I think I just saw, and right before I hopped on, nine and a half. Nine and a half is the team total over for the Gamecocks. So Vegas is saying that we won't score more than nine points this game. Whoo, that's telling me something. They don't have any faith in our offense. And Quite frankly, when Clemson only puts up three points against Georgia's defense, I don't even know who they played last week. I think it was a cupcake. I think they gave up seven. I'd have to go back and look and see. But they're going to be – this Georgia defense is for real. I've been saying it since week one. The reason why I picked them to beat Clemson was because of the fact that their defensive line and defensive secondary, which they've got, you know, obviously former Dearion Kendrick playing on the outside there, former Tater – They've just got a lot of players in that secondary. They got a lot of players up front. They got Channing Tindall, former, what is a Spring Valley linebacker from Columbia, big five-star. He's coming into his own. There's just a lot of players on that defense. And it's going to be a long day for Marcus Satterfield in our offense if we can't get anything going. That's why I'm saying special teams, if we can get some huge kick returns, that could set up opportunities for short fields and hitting them with one of those big plays over top. I expect a guy like Jaheim Bell. I'm excited to see our tight ends match up against their linebackers because they do have, like I said, some five-star guys there. 
but we've got players at tight end. And I think between Jaheim Bell and Nick Muse and a name you did not hear last week that I think you'll be hearing this week, EJ Jenkins. I think, not to say we've been saving them by any means, but there are some plays that we can dial up for EJ Jenkins to potentially have his coming out party between the hedges. It's going to take an all-around team effort. So if you're telling me what I'm looking for matchup-wise, their defensive line versus our offensive line, our special teams kick return unit against their kickoff unit, and then also our tight ends, how many plays can they make against their linebackers? Those three matchups is what I'll be watching. Players I'll be watching. I said it last week. I thought Marshawn Lloyd would have a breakout game. I'm expecting one running back to break out this week, and I think Lloyd's a guy that does it. I'm riding him again because he's got the talent. You've seen the explosive moves. You've seen the jukes. You've seen the things that we haven't seen out of a big-time running back in a long time. I think Lloyd can potentially have a big game if the offensive line gets moving. So he's a player I'm watching on offense, player I'm watching on defense. I looked at the stat sheet, and this was pretty frustrating. I saw 20 Gamecocks on the stat sheet against ECU. I didn't see Jordan Birch's name. Nothing against him, but this was a recruiting battle between Georgia, a little bit of LSU, a little bit of Taterland sprinkled in there. Big recruiting matchup. He chose Carolina. I want to see what he can do coming out between the hedges, given the opportunity. Can he make one of those clowny-like plays between the hedges, maybe create a fumble, just create some havoc in the backfield? Jordan Birch is a guy I'll be watching on the defense. On the UGA side of the ball, whoo-wee, there's a lot of guys they have there. Former guy Trevon Walker, he was one that the Gamecocks were, I don't think we really ever had a chance, but his name was thrown out there a lot as a potential flip candidate. He didn't do that, and now he's creating havoc on the defensive line for Georgia. He's one of those guys, can we keep him contained? Can we keep him blocked? If not... He's going to have a field day on our offensive line. I really liked him as a prospect coming out of high school. Then you look at their running backs. Kendall Milton, five-star out of Texas. They've got guys just loaded back. they got the younger Cook brother, James Cook. He's a five-star. They're just so loaded. Zamir White, I mean, you name it, they've got it back there. So can we contain their running backs? Our linebacker play is going to have to be better than ever. Uh, And they have not. They've played well. I mean, they've not let us down up to this point, but there's just going to be so many key factors into this game. Can we contain their running backs from making the big play? And a lot of that's going to be, can the linebackers make tackles in open field? Can we contain their defensive line, especially Trevon Walker right below because he's just a nasty mauling DL? I expect us to... I don't want to say – I'm not going to give Gamecock fans any sort of garnet glasses type picture to this, even though I walk around with garnet glasses. This game is going to be – it's literally like when your dad, like my dad would always say, hey, anybody can beat any given te- team on any given weekend, right? Any given Sunday, any given Saturday. What I'm telling you is this is going to be one of those any given Saturday type games where – does the Gamecocks put together potentially one of the best, most creative all-around performances to beat one of I've seen the biggest spreads ever against the Gamecocks? No, it doesn't happen. I'm being realistic here. I think that 32-point number that Vegas has is a little closer to about 30 in my perspective. I think they don't expect the Gamecocks to score the nine points. That's why they have the number at nine and a half. 
I'm looking at this game, and I think that the Gamecocks can put up 13 points. I think we'll get a touchdown, two field goals. So I have the Gamecocks at 13. I have Georgia at 41. So I have this as a four-score game, 41-13 UGA. It's not – we're on our – we're on the ascent. We're on the way up. But this Georgia team is probably, like Beamer said, one of the best Georgia teams athletically all around. So 41-13, what that number does mean for you all is that the Gamecocks cover the 31-point spread. The Cox are 2-0 against the spread this year. Just an FYI, if you put money on them this year, you're winning. And I think this week, again, I know that, I don't know, Kirby Smart, I think him and Beamer got a good relationship. So I don't think he's the guy that's going to run up the score. I think our defense is good enough where they're not going to be able to pick their plays and pick their scores. I think 41-13 to 13 is the score you're looking at. I think it's a four-touchdown game. But I do think the Gamecocks cover. And I think you take whatever bit of momentum you can out of it. Hey, that we scored 13 points. We beat the Vegas over. Whatever it is, you take that momentum because the biggest game of Beamer's career – and what we've had circled since week zero at CB90 is that Kentucky game. We're, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that it's going to be a sold-out Williams-Brice Stadium. I don't care if you have to wear a mask or not. We need 80,000 screaming cock fans in the stands because it's going to be a huge recruiting weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about Kentucky next week, but that's an important game. Again, nobody's expecting you to beat Georgia this weekend. You get out 2-1, and one, you come back home, first SEC opener, under the lights, ESPN2, 7 o'clock, you got 80,000 screaming cock fans. And if you somehow can beat UK and start 3-1, and one, the whispers, hey, are the Gamecocks a, a little bit closer to being back than other people think? We will see. All right, beat the Spur picks. This is everybody's favorite segment. Again, if you follow us on Twitter, at Cox underscore by underscore 90, you see the games that we put out every Monday. You can shoot me a DM, or you can email me at shawmeortds at gmail.com. And from there, you can pick the games that we pick out every week. So we pick out 10 games. And from that, if you just pick the spread. So who do you think is going to win? Last week, shout out. I'm pulling them up right now. Cocky4583. Chase Rabon, I hope I didn't butcher your last name, went 8-2 and two against the spread. I might be following Chase's picks again this week. That is a number that makes your bookie scared. This week we've got 10 games. I've got the picks from Sir Big Spur. I'm missing him right now. Unfortunately, he's not here in Miami with me, but he's here in my heart. And he right now, I'm going to give you his picks and my picks. So, looking at this, game one, and I'll go through these quick, so... You all don't have to be turning off the episode right now. All right, Oklahoma-Nebraska. Oklahoma minus 22. This is where we differ. Sir Big Spurs got Oklahoma. I got the black shirt defense Nebraska. Figuring out a way to keep it under three scores. Got that game right here. Virginia Tech, West Virginia. We both agree on this one. We agree that the former Frank Beamer, now Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech Hokies, can cover the two and are getting two and a half, can take down West Virginia at West Virginia. That spreads two and a half in favor of West Virginia. All right, we're split here on this one. Miami, Michigan State. I'm going Michigan State. I feel good about that. They got the Mel Tecker coach defense there. They got some players. 
They got the U. The U almost got upset. Only beat App State by two, which is what we told you last week. Miami minus six. I'm taking the six points. Give me Michigan State. Sir Big Spurs going with the U. Bama and Florida. Bama minus 15 and a half. I think the latest line has Alabama minus 14 and a half. This is a game I'm hammering if I'm you all. We both agree that Alabama wins, I, I think, at least three touchdowns. But this is a three-score game. Put your money on Bama, minus 15 and a half. Clemson, minus 28 and a half at home against Georgia Tech. I'm going to tell you one thing. There are whispers. There are rumblings that it, everything is not daffodils and roses and dandelions up in tater country. I think those rumors are true. So what that's telling me is that, yes, games in past where Trevor Lawrence was the QB, Deshaun Watson was the QB, yes, they would win these games by 35 points. I think Jeff Collins, former Temple coach, has Georgia Tech moving in the right direction. I don't think they should be four touchdown underdogs to Clemson. I don't think this Clemson offense is Clemson offenses from the past. Myself and Sir Big Spur both have Georgia Tech taking the 28 half in the points and covering. All right, Billy Hall's Mississippi State fighting Bulldogs against Memphis. Mississippi State minus three. They're at Memphis. Little tough start for Mississippi State. Again, huge week win or week two win against NC State, but this is a one of those trap games. I'm taking the fighting Billy Hall Mississippi State Bulldogs minus three, and we got Sir Big Spur Memphis plus three. We got another difference there. All right, we got Cox plus 30 against the – Bulldogs. Both Sir Big Spur and I believe those are too many points. I've got the Gamecocks plus 30, as does he. Auburn at Penn State, white out. What's going to happen when the Auburn Bo Nix Tigers head up into Penn State into Happy Valley? But we both agree Auburn's getting six points. I think that potentially Penn State wins this game. I think it's a three-point game. I'm not going to speak for Matthew. He might think that they went outright, but we both have Auburn here. Stanford at Vanderbilt. This is just a unique game because I think it's a battle of who can beat the books better. And I'm not talking about the bookies. I'm talking about the smarts. Who can outcoach your teachers on this one? Stanford minus 11. I've got Vandy. I think Clark Lee figures out a way to get this defense rolling at home. Not saying they win, but I think they keep it within 10. I've got Vandy, Vandy plus 11, and then old Sir Big Spur. He's riding high off that Stanford win against Southern Cal. Unfortunately, he did not pick Stanford like myself to cover that spread last week. He thought Southern Cal was going to beat him. Not so fast, my friend. He has Stanford. And then last game, Arizona State at BYU. Arizona State minus three, the fighting Herm Edwards. They might have had the biggest scandals in the offseason, but they're still somehow finding a way to win. We both have BYU covering this game. BYU with a huge win last week against Utah. I think they keep rolling. Utah's a great team. BYU plus three. Total score for the Auburn-Penn State game. Again, a lot of you all send your picks in and you forget about the total score. Please don't do that. So when you're sending your picks, you can DM me at Cox underscore by underscore 90 or you can email shawmyortds at gmail.com. Total score in the Auburn-Penn State game, Sir Big Spur has the total at 60. He thinks this is a high-scoring game. I have it at 51. 
I'm thinking more of a 27-24 game. We'll see what happens. So those are your picks. I'm going to tweet those out now so you'll see our full picks. We need your picks in by noon on Saturday before the first game kick starts. Again, Chase, he won. He got to pick anything from the CB90 store. He went with a four-pack of koozies, so I'll be shipping those out when I'm back from Miami tomorrow. It's been a lot of fun in the sun. We've had a great time here, but I've been missing you all in the low country. I will see you all, though, Saturday. Saturday at Rita's, we're going to be inside. We'll have the Gamecock game on the loudspeakers. We've got two high tops put together. We've got a couple booths. It's going to be loud. It's going to be fun. Be there early. Let's have a great time. If you plan to be there, shoot me a DM. I'll put your name down, just like we did at Hall's. Shoot, we had a bachelor party come with 11 guys. I had their table reserved. A lot of other groups came. You all give me a heads up. I'll make sure I take care of you all. I appreciate you all tuning in. It's always fun to talk to my CB90 fans when we're 2-0. 2-0. Now let's figure out a way to keep it not embarrassing <laughs> between the hedges, and let's figure out a way to get tat back to Columbia Against Kentucky, extremely healthy. That's the most important thing. Get out of the Georgia game, extremely healthy. Figure out a way to make it respectable. And you know what? I don't know, 2019, they didn't give us a chance. So let's see if we can do it this year. I appreciate you all tuning in. Special little episode. I'll drop this on my podcast in pod, or in pod form so you'll be able to hear it here soon. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope everybody's having a great Thursday. And let's shake this place.